Blog Talk Radio. No. Welcome to your favorite drive-in theater and a sparkling new season. Watch our screen and local newspapers for all the fine shows coming this way. Show after show will feature the latest hits, the biggest stars for fun-filled, pleasure-packed evenings. Relax, come as you are, and spend an enjoyable night out with the entire family. No parking problems, no babysitting problems. And there are always tasty snacks at our modern refreshment stand. Thanks, folks. And once again, welcome back. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 2021 Slasher Wolfic Spring Edition of the Drive-In Monsterama. Is there going to be many... Well, we got George and Jean here, and, well, since I was stuck, I had to get my usual ride, so, hey, Josh. What's up? What happened to the old the old opening theme? Where did that go? Well, after six years, yeah, after six years, I think a change was, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Well, it's a very pleasant surprise. How are you this evening, Stephen? Oh, good. That's nice to hear. I was impressed by the the opening, too. (laughs) This is, you got to remember, this is Gina and I, third uh, uh, show that we did together this weekend. We're doing this tonight, and we did... uh, you know, our online thing on our own Facebook page last night. And then Friday we did Colbert. So, yeah, it was great. Yeah. It was awesome. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Very good stuff. So, Steve, questions. Do you have any questions for us tonight? Yeah. How, are there going to be uh, many uh, walk-ins left uh, for this weekend? Well, it's a drive, and I think they tickets are sold out. Yeah. I don't think anyone's walking into the drive-in, but they might drive. Well, if they in walk the in, they have, and they don't have a car. They have to have like a like a fake car, like like you know, like at least it looks like the side of the car, so you can fool Sean at the ticket booth for thinking that it's a real car. <laughs> well, anyway, thing, so hey, I don't. We're expecting some hitchhikers. We're expecting uh, Bill Mosley from Texas Chainsaw Two. Right. Josh, I'm Josh and Miss Daisy, right, Josh? All the time. Oh, is Josh here? Is Josh? I didn't know Josh was here. Hi, Josh. My name was the first one he said. (laughs) I can't hear anything he says anyway. He's crazy, so. Well, yeah. We all know that, too. If he needs a breather, I'll take over and do him. Josh rocks. Awesome. (laughs) I'm already happy now. My life just got better for the next hour. <laughs> cool. How uh, are you, I'm Josh? sorry that I can't, I, I can't be there this weekend, but anytime I get to hang with Gene and George is a good time. So. Oh, Josh, we love you. How are you doing up there Thank in Butler? You. Are you well? Things are oh, good? Yeah, we're doing pretty good. Just working a lot, but you have to do good. what you have to do. Exactly. You totally. I haven't, I haven't seen you since October when we were outside freezing to death in Evans City at the impromptu um, screening of uh, Night of the Living Dead uh, outdoors. 
Yeah, that I remember great. that. But I, I'm sorry I didn't get to stay around, but that that was an awesome thing that they did, and that's just cool being in Edco Park in the in the middle of the fall and just being a little bit cold, you know. Yeah, it was. Well, it got colder as the night went on. We were there for the listeners. Listeners who have tuned in, what we're referencing (laughs) is that um, Living Dead Weekend had a little uh, Halloween get-together, or anyway, October get-together, in lieu of uh, not being able to do a full-size show for the pandemic. And uh, it it was nice. Uh, They had, um, you know, some uh, merchandise available, and it was the last weekend at the Evans City location for the, the... Zombie store was open, so that was very sad. And they screened Night of the Living Dead, followed by Children Shouldn't Play with Dead Things, and it was a nice turnout. And Josh and oh, I were yeah. there. And it was it ended up getting very cold later in the evening, but it was a lot of fun. We had a really great time. So. Oh, yeah. Good time. Big shout-out to Kevin for doing that. Thank you, Kevin. So, anyway, hey, guys, I, so I'm where do we go from here? This weekend. Huh? What's that? Uh, I'm hating that I'm missing this weekend. So. <clears throat> well, we're sorry to miss you too, because it's going to be. A I mean, Halloween sure. season, Halloween three season of the witch. That's going to be awesome just to see up on the up on the drive-in screen. Absolutely. Mhm. I mean, peace is also in sleepaway camp. I mean, sleepaway camp alone is worth the price of admission. That's that's <laughs> a drive-in standard right there. I mean. Well, I would say that George has outdone himself with uh, choosing films this year. George, did you want to elaborate about? Uh, about yeah, well, the films? I mean, like you, like you're saying, Sleepaway Camp, Pieces, Halloween Three. I, I mean, uh, this show was uh, put together to uh, to be a crowd pleaser. That's that's been the basis of April since the beginning. What brings them in? We noticed that the '80s uh, horror films are really big, and we've shown a lot of '80s horror films over the past few years of uh, of this April Cools. Uh, program, but but this year we decided to label it as such, um, you know, just just because uh, because the '80s seem to be so in now, and and there's a lot of uh, fans of a of I guess a younger generation, maybe like I'd say more in their 20s, 30s now, that were they were too young to see these movies, because when you think about it, they weren't even born when a lot of these movies were made. Or they were just being born when these movies. I mean, so they're they're. It's like to be able to see these on the big screen. Stuff like, right. uh, you know, American Wealth and and Howling and the and Pieces and all of Sleepaway Camp and it's a big deal. And then and the excitement you can feel the excitement for this for this program. And I'm glad, you know, I just put this together on not not necessarily what I want to see so much <clears throat> as what I think people would right. love to come out and see. And I just think the whole program blends together nicely of what we have each well, night. We had, been, we had been holding off for quite a while also for uh, really nice prints of uh, American Werewolf in London and um, also The Howling. And this would be the, the 40th anniversary for these films. And uh, these wonderful prints became available. So that was the way I think Saturday night sort of came together. I mean, and George always had Halloween 3 on the radar as well. Um, so, you know, sort of the way he, he did, I think I can speak on your behalf, he sort of made Friday night more of the teen slasher attraction, and then on Saturday it's like the all-star big gold, you know, hit night 
for um, with Mausoleum kind of in there at the end, but it has an amazing fan following this movie, and it'll be interesting. I can't think of anyone that's ever seen it on the the big screen. I certainly didn't. George, did you see Mausoleum no, you know at any because, point? Yeah, when it came out, and I, I know Bill Van Rim, Bill Van Rim's um, Groovy Doom had an ad from nineteen. 19- 83. So I remember when this movie came out, like, but barely getting any much theater play, because uh, it's copyrighted 81. It's it's also, it's always credited as a 1982 movie, but I don't remember playing until around 83, and then coming to video pretty soon afterwards. So I rented it on video in 1980, around 83, 84, when it was right, like, right. you know fresh yeah. video. But I don't. I think I I could swear I remember seeing TV spots, but it's like something that. Didn't play very long, so no. Well, I think yeah. Uh, I see the ad for it. Are all the prints that you guys showing us? Are all the prints that you guys showing us this weekend coming up? Or are they all all reels? Or are you doing any digital? We're doing digital for all the features, and then we're doing some thirty-five millimeter trailers. For the trailers. We yes. just figured that we just figured that we came to a conclusion a number of years ago about this whole fascination with 35 millimeter. It's 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 very cool and and retro and traditional to see these films on 35 millimeter to drive in. But I think the way that Monsterama and April Ghouls has progressed the evolution of the show is that you know there are more people that are interested in seeing these films in better quality now than the kitschiness of seeing them on 35 millimeter. So it's not to say that 35 millimeter wouldn't be something considered in the future, but right now I think that yeah, no, the absolutely. is the way to go. Like Gene, yeah, like Gene said, we have, we have, there are plans for some 35 because there's, we have some leads on some good prints. But like, like the Howling and American World, for, for instance, I held off on them because the only prints that were available were like badly faded and the Howling the the print of the howling that I had a lead on was like missing a whole scene and I'm like I'm just I'm not right. you know I'm not you know like some theaters want to just show crappy 35 millimeter prints to like you know please like a dozen or so fanboys I think <laughs> that's like, exactly um, that, yeah that, that's exactly well they think yeah, like the Grindhouse that. movie that came out in 2007 or whatever that uh, Robert Rodriguez thing like these films are supposed to be banged up and they didn't look like that in the th- I mean maybe some Grindhouses had but that's like that's like a fanboy theory. That we're not buying oh, yeah. into. We want to give the best presentation of these films, and and at the same time, I don't want to cheat, you know, an audience. Like I, there were films that if I would have seen, been able to see in advance. I mean, I mean there were prints that we'd shown that if I'd seen them in advance, I probably wouldn't have screened them. There were prints that I'd seen that I had an option to show, and they weren't up to par. And then I mean, we have, we have had, you know, we've had some prints that were just in bad shape, and, and we also have a problem too. Um, I, I've been wanting to get a few things from Warner Brothers, for in, for example, and there's this, this ongoing problem with Warner Brothers when they tell you they have a print. And I'm not going to mention the titles because we hope we still hope to bring them to the to the show, but they'll like tell you, you know, you book the print and they'll say, oh, it's, uh, we don't have it. It's missing reels. It's got yeah. vinegar Isn't syndrome. Nice it's this. It's faded. And I'm like, well, you know, this is just such a, you know. So uh, I mean, don't forget, we've been doing this 15 years. And now twice a year. So we've shown so many damn prints. And we're like, you know, there's not, there's not a lot of options around any, anymore no. with, uh, with some of no. these uh, titles as far as, you know, prints available. 
right, the so, thing is, uh, I'm, we're going for the best draft for the best presentation right now. <clears throat> right. No, I'm not. I'm not yeah. disappointed at all. I, I was just asking because some some people probably would like to know. Uh, yeah. I, I remember how how many years ago was it that you did um the brand new transfer for Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and that was beautiful. Exactly. So, like that's like that's a perfect example of a film. That I want, I'd love to show them, but the, like I said, the 35 millimeter that I, you know, had uh, an, an option of, of of renting was like missing the, um, right, the, uh, the the prologue at the beginning, and I'm like, I, you know, it's too classic a film just to throw that yep. on, and that's not there. I'm like, you know what, I'll wait, and then, uh, and then uh, what was it? MPI made it available for the 40th anniversary, I think. Right. And that's when we showed it. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it was that anniversary. Same thing with like. But, um, yeah, I would uh, love all those people that uh, complain about, you know, what do you need to you about Miller Print? You know, to say, okay, track it down for me and pay the rental and carry the film here. Well, you know, here's the thing that. Then, oh, I, I know, I know, Steve. You're right, and I, I've said things like that to people, and I've, I mean, and I've gone through a lot of. Tra- I mean, people like I, I think too, people. You know, this, I mean, the, and it's only a handful. I mean, people that complain about such things with our show, too, are like kind of like bandwagon jumpers. Like, where were you, like, years ago? I mean, I had prints, like, shipped from England that cost a fortune, you know, and, and because it was an exclusive big deal. I mean, I got some, I got that print of, Man, there's one print of Manhouse in the U.K. that a collector had. I had to have it shipped from England. I don't even remember if the guy, the guy was so nice. I don't think he charged me, but I still had to pay the studio, um, that owned the the rights to MGM for the to the rights. Right. So I mean, right. it, it was a very expensive process, and I did it because I loved these films, and I I figured, well, people would be like, wow, this is such a rare opportunity. And, sure. You know. Well, you know the yes thing and is, no. We yes had... and no. Yes, some you know some appreciated it, but most people like it's like where were they when we when we you know a number of years we, ago we went through all we that trouble. A, we had a gentleman that was on the page that was complaining about. A particular movie that he had to see it in, in 35 millimeter, and it, there was not a way to show it in 35 millimeter. It was strictly licensed as a DCP. And I'm not going to mention the movie or the distributor or whatever, but people know who, what I'm talking about. And you know, this little argument sort of—it wasn't an argument; it was a discussion that ensued between us and him. And I just simply said, you know what? If you don't appreciate what's being done, don't bother coming. And it's—it's it's rough to say that as a promoter or, you know, someone who is, you know, doing marketing or whatever because you really want to please as many people as possible and put on a good show. But, you know, it's also very discouraging when you have these people that are not involved in the business in any capacity other than being a fan complaining about stuff that they need to get off their asses and do their own show is what it comes down to, you know. The reason that we are doing these shows is because of our long-term fandom an interest in the whole genre, and that we're giving back, you know, to people years after we were younger and, and, you know, weren't doing these type of things. And that's where the pleasure comes from. It's not about either of us achieving some sort of egotistical boost about it. So I would never 
before or after being involved in, in this show or any of the shows I've worked on, the conventions and stuff, I would never be the person to go on a Facebook page or on the Internet and, and complain about stuff because, you know what, you need to make things happen for yourself. If you're not happy with the way someone's doing a show, then by all means create your own show and, you know, go out and, and make it big. You know, don't don't waste people's time fanboying and complaining about how you don't like the way something is done. Well, you're not doing it. So when you do your own, then we'll we'll show you the respect we feel that you deserve to show us. So does that sound egotistical or is that to the point? I mean, no. you know what well, I'm saying? Well, can I ask this, though? How many other places around the around the country are really doing something like what Gene and George are doing. And anybody who can't see that that's a pretty unique idea to be able to bring... Well, George bring started classic. the whole thing 15 years ago. George, George came to western Pennsylvania because there were no theaters from Long Island to here that were interested in doing this. That's how... Well, there are no, the no drivers in Long Island, period, yeah. Correct. <laughs> but I so was, how like he was, uh, I was searching out, like, theaters on the East Coast <clears throat> that I right. could get access, at least, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, it would still be a hike, but at least I could, you know... And I've told but this story that, over and over again, but the, but, the, but, the, but the Riverside was very interested, and... You know, we did it, and it started slow. It started where it was successful enough that we do keep doing it and keep doing it, and then we kept doing it every. We've done it every September since the first one, and now we do right. April. And right. um, it's it's been well enough where like everybody's been like all these theaters around the around the country, especially on the like on the East Coast, have been you know um, inspired by our show and you know doing our doing their own thing. We, I've had like so many people come over the years. Come, I mean, come to the show over the years and say, you know, like, oh, this is, you know, love the show. And then they would go to their own local drive-in and get them to do a show. Because there was no interest when when I did it, when I was looking to do it, because nobody was interested. But I think that the other theaters, because, you know, people in the business see what's going on. And they see that the Riverside has a success with this. And when, you know, if people that came to my show know that... A, a driving that's you know near them, they could approach them and go, look, you know, we, well, let's do a horror show. Uh, and that's a good like thing. I did. And, and, and you know what? That's yeah. a good thing because it's it, it's not a question of who's going to do a better show or a competition. It's a question of strengthening the market for for yeah. the shows to exist. The more shows exist, the longer that the interest is going to build, and this is going to continue. Nobody should be only doing a show and only existing. It should be as many people across the country or the state that can get involved in this to start doing this. And the pandemic was, was a blessing to the drive-ins because the drive-in, drive-ins were so forgotten for so many years, and now they've come back into being a cool thing. And celebrities are coming to the drive-ins now and booking at, at drive-in shows because – they can't do conventions, and people can't have vendors at conventions. We're not back on top yet in terms of the pandemic. So this has created this fringe success for all these other 
people, which is fantastic that all this stuff has come together. So now you can feel safe enough to go watch these movies at your local drive-in and meet a celebrity, you know, and enjoy yourself in a much safer environment than being in a hotel. Some of your first uh, celebrity guests in a long time. Yes. I just want to, uh, what you was talking about with the pandemic, I want to say, too, that the whole retro movie, you, you know, uh, the whole retro movie theme at the, at the, at the drive-ins has taken off because, because of the pandemic, because, because last year, with the lack of product coming out of Hollywood, Right. The the uh, the, the, the driving theaters, including our Riverside Theater, were forced to do retro shows, meaning that they had to show, you know, double features of movies that have been around forever, and you know, you know, you can access them at home. But people who were not, you know, seeing that as something that they'd want to do, like not, they had no interest in seeing these kind of movies on the big screen, were coming in hordes all of a sudden. Right. So I mean, it was right. almost yeah. like. Well, it's like, wow, the, well, now the we have no, I mean, I'm not putting down movie. the people who want to see it, but it's like the whole mindset was like, why not? We got, we got, we got somewhere to go. Let's go to the driving. That sounds great. They're showing whatever, smoking the Bandit, American Graffiti, Jaws, whatever the, whatever they show, you know, like, sure, whatever absolutely. you know, and it's a good thing because like, mm. like he was saying that this revitalized the whole, the whole driving theater. You know, it, it gave them it gave them more life because they were the only game in town, you know, showing movies last year for the most part. Yep. Yeah, the, I think the biggest movie make money maker of last summer was the Back to the Future <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, like some of the old. I think uh, that's very true. Some of the uh, some of the older movies were, you know, in the top whatever of grocers. You know, very old movies that were being re-released, which is, you know, that that was unheard of years ago, and that's only because of the, that's because of the pandemic and because of the situation that they had to show these older movies because they hadn't they had nothing else to show, so they had to use their imagination and you know mm-hmm. book what was you know what was which available. is good to not be reliable yeah. to have to rely on Hollywood that much because we've talked about this on on the the monster on the theater we've talked about on your show Steve for years a lot of the material coming out of hollywood is shit so that's part of the the whole thing right there you know there just isn't the quality of entertainment coming out of hollywood too many reboots too much cgi too much you know it's this is how many possession movies do I need to see that are new? How many evil nun movies? How many, you know, curse movies? How much more paranormal garbage? You know, I look, I go on the Internet because, you know, I'm here watching stuff at the house, obviously, and I'm looking for new stuff to stream or download or whatever, and, you know, the stuff is just garbage. It's absolute garbage. Some of these movies I've lasted, like the ones on Shudder, I've lasted five minutes or ten minutes into them, and I have to turn them off. They're just awful. So I, I have to wonder, you kind of have to wonder if the expectations are so low with modern film audiences that when they do become exposed to this older stuff, they become very excited about it because it's a whole different quality of entertainment. It's more enjoyable, you know, than some of the stuff that Hollywood's putting out today, you know? And these movies, there were so many movies from that time, as you know, we've, been, we've talked about this forever. That were made for driving. I mean, right, exploitation sure. and 
and even the studio exploitation films, like right, you know, like a Smoking the Bandit, like a car chase movies, for instance, uh, oh, DNA movies that like when the studio absolutely. started doing like Animal House, that was because of drive-in movies. Those were exploitation absolutely. movies, and then the studios were jumping on that, and there was a variety of films to see, you know, back in the day. Which, like Gene said, you don't have it. It's just very, like, one note now with the horror and the... Not it's much like going TV. on. It's, it's, not, like... It's, not, it's not like there's not much going on. Like, there used to be all kinds of colorful things going on the screen. April Ghouls, we're bringing it back. We're bringing back blood. We're bringing back breasts. We're bringing back, you know, <laughs> everything. No, that's, that's what the driving movie series is about. You brought back breasts yeah. when you did Dracula's Great Love that September. Well... I was I was gonna bring back press, yeah. I was sitting there on the picnic tables at the riverside in complete shock and awe that I was watching lesbian vampires covered in blood having sex on the screen and it was Oh I come think on that now you, now you're being a little you're being a little old descriptive. It was it was just very it was just some very innocent nothing, <laughs> I don't I think. I thought it was a fine moment actually. I don't know if it's from the people were they didn't know what they were in for that evening, but you know, it was just one of those moments where it was like, you know, we're 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 back in time. You know, we're back in time when this type of stuff was shocking to audiences, and more so shocking on a large screen, and more so shocking when you witness it with three hundred other people in a field. You know, that's part of the excitement of the whole show, right? Is it, it's a it's a mass yeah. experience. And- yeah, you guys are opening up with Slumber Party Massacre, which I I know Gene has a fondness. I'm not a fan of that movie. I tried to sit through it again last yeah. year. I did April Ghouls at home last year, and I tried to sit through it. And um, where here's where my head is with that movie. I just feel like it came later than the rest, and it was intended as a parody of the rest, but. As George was saying, and we've talked about, the demographic of viewers for the, this show and for these movies, I think that they saw this film as – they're not they're – not, they don't have the same mentality that we did because we were bombarded with these movies, like three or four of these a week, every single week back in the day. And that, you have a different perspective on these films when you see them that way as opposed to – 30 years in the future when you hear this is a cool movie and you stream it or you rent it or whatever, and it develops its own following at that point because it's not restricted by being marketed in a, in a, and distributed with 10 other films that are better. Do you follow what I'm saying? So that's where my yeah. head is with this. Do, and, I, do I think the movie sucks? No. it's a bizarre reputation as a feminist movie. Well, because it's directed by a woman. Well, that yeah. would do it. <laughs> Does that mean all well, 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 the I mean, you know, it's like when I again, it's like yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I do, I do, I did, I do have that in mind when I when I booked this movie because, you know, I'm trying to think. We we have a lot of uh, of, of of females coming now. You know, more than before, right. which is great. I lo- I love that. I love that we have female mm-hmm. horror fans. You know, and that it's right. not just a big sausage fest, and we have the girls coming, the gals coming. My wife noticed it, uh, you know, because she was coming to some of the earlier shows, and she'd be like, I'd, I'd be going to the restroom, the, the ladies' room, and there'd be nobody there. Now I come, and there's like a line to, to the 
Bless them. So, like, the, the, the demographic for us, for, yeah, that's a good, that's good for news. females coming, and I love that because I want to bring, because it's like, especially with the April Ghouls, we bring in, we're bringing in, like, a new audience. We're bringing in a younger audience. Sure. They have so much fun. They don't complain about things. They don't complain about the movie. I mean, they just, they just want to be there and have fun. They, and I don't even think, sometimes they're not even that familiar with the films. Like, like the Spanish horror, they probably see that, these outrageous titles, and they're like, you know, you know, Titles with orgy and blood, and they're like, they don't live up to the titles, but they're they could be fun movies, and, and they just come out and they're they're game for this stuff. So now I, I'm really, you know, we're trying to cater to them with this show and have fun. And like I have to admit, these 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 eighty slasher films and monster films are fun on the big screen. You know? Yeah, they really are. Yeah. I think that sleep. I, I, th- I yeah. think that Summer Party Massacre will definitely have a better life there. But that's what, I, like I said, this is what I want people to understand. And I've said this on other shows. Back in the day, so many of these were coming out. It was kind of like you would go, okay, 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 and then you would hit one and go, uh, you know. And it, it, even Sleepaway Camp wasn't that big of a film years ago. And 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 the momentum has just gone forward with that film. And again with Mausoleum and you know these and Halloween three, I was talking to a, a fan of Halloween three last night, a friend of mine that was watching it. We were texting back and forth, and this, he decided after hearing George and I talk about Halloween three last night that he would rewatch it. And then you know this has been like 20 years since he's seen this movie or longer, and you know he texted me back and he goes, you know it's still this movie still is really weird to me and doesn't make any sense. But I, I like it better now than I did 20 years ago. And we were talking about how that movie really sailed at the box office, and it got badened out by fans because it was, you know, it wasn't a Michael Myers film. And people, some people like myself, felt it stand it was it stood better by itself and not associated with the Halloween franchise. But you see, well, the perspective perspective I'm giving you here about this is, you know, I went to the Regent Square Theater to see uh, Tom Atkins live for the screening of the, the remastered fog and there were more people asking questions about Halloween three and wearing Halloween three shirts than fog paraphernalia. Okay, this film over the last thirty some years has built an audience that was not there in the nineteen eighties because that movie was just out for like a weekend or two and then it was history and people hated it. Cisco and Ebert didn't like it. Nobody didn't like it. But years later, you know, this film has developed a cult following, and it has a new life, and it's a very popular uh, movie. And look at all the merchandise for it now. Who would have ever believed this movie would have had the amount of merchandise for it, right? So it just goes to show you how times change and how movies that didn't get an opportunity 30 years ago to, to shine, shine now. And, and they have a following, and that's great, right? They have a second life. You know, and the, and the celebrities benefit from that, too, because, you know what, they made those movies 30 years ago, and certainly Hollywood wasn't giving them any praise for it, but now in the future, the fans love those films, and the fans come out and support them, and they have a following, and it must feel fantastic. It's got to be great, right? So good stuff. Well, they didn't have the preconceptions back then where they wanted the as I've always called it, they want a different movie, but the exact same movie. You're right. Yes. Absolutely. Ed- Edge of the Axe is actually a good example of that. Edge of the Axe is a very strange... 
George can elaborate more about it. He was talking about it last night. You know, Edge of the Axe is a perfect example of that movie. It's absolutely cheesy, but it's sort of an homage to everything that happened in that time. It's sort of like the best scenes and the best, you know, everything rolled into like this, this uh, I don't know, sort of like a collage film of, death, of murderous, murderous scenes that you expect from every other movie, the way they're dressed, everything. Um, and it's almost like a parody, but that's a perfect example of what you're talking about. George, you were saying last night that it was originally a Mexican film or no, a actually, Spanish it's film? No, it's a Spanish production. Okay. It's, um, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's, but it was shot in the United States. Um, and this, 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 uh, this was directed by Jose Larez, who was a, you know, a pretty – popular Spanish director in the horror genre, but he did a, a number of films in England in the 70s, like um, Vampires, Symptoms, uh, the, the, right. the House That Vanished, which is a.k.a. Scream and Die. But then he, you know, he went back to Spain and did a lot of lurid, uh, you know, Spanish horror films. And this one, this one comes in the late 80s. I think it was shot in 87 or so. Yeah. And, and it's basically... It, it's a Spanish film shot in the United States with a lot of American actors, but it's got people like Patty Shepard, who was an American actress who went to Spain. Right. And, uh, and, and she, 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 uh, she, she was in, in Spanish horror films up, but even, even, even at this point, you know, cause her, her time was really in the seventies, but this is like the late eighties and she's still, uh, She's still doing stuff. I mean, she's got a minor role in it. I mean, that's just of interest to, to real deep Spanish horror fans. But the point of, the, of, of Edge of the Axe is that it's a, it, like Gene was saying, it's a, it's a, it's a rip off. It's a, it's a, it's a Spanish-made rip off of every slasher film made before. It's a hooded killer with an axe, and you know, it's got like, uh, you know, like these these kids playing with computers and, and yeah, I mean, it's just very, like they really, and it's like it a has small a town of... setting. It's very American. It's like, you know, like when they, they really try to make, make an Americanized product. So it, right. I think because of right. that, it's, it's amusing. But I, you know, when, when this, when this was coming out from uh, Arrow on, on Blu-ray a couple of years ago, I couldn't believe the, um, the attention it was getting. I'm like, this, yeah, this is sure another did. slasher film. That's a, a co-fi. And now, mind you, you know, you talk about 35 millimeter. I don't think that this even ever played in theaters in the United States. This was something, I mean, I'm almost 100% positive. It was just, you know, it was just released here straight to video. Yeah, I think you know, it did too. It, it was during the VH. It was during, that. like, the, during that era when there was a lot of straight to video product, you know, and, and that so included it, a lot of horror films. It has. And this is... Doesn't it have a lot of scenes? It has a lot of scenes with the sort of, you know, the the, 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 and I might be wrong about this. If I'm wrong about this, I apologize to everybody in advance. But George, maybe you can school me on this. Doesn't it have like a variety of scenes, like you know, from like they're sort of like Friday the Thirteenth, where you know it's from the killer's point of view, and the victim goes, "Oh, hi, how are you doing?" And then they get an axe in their head. Right. It's, like a, it's almost like that Jalo kind of yeah, thing who's where, the you know, killer? Like I don't know. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But, but, but you know, and then you got to understand, like, if you look carefully, there's little, like, we're showing this with pieces. So you have two Spanish right. slasher right. films 
shot by Spanish directors. The other pieces was was from <laughs> Picard Simon, and they were shot in the United States with mostly, you know, American actors like uh, Linda Day George, Christopher George. Uh, I think Edmund Perdome is is in that. Well, he's English, but I'm mean, you know you know what I mean, like English speaking actors. Right, right, uh, right, right. Jack Taylor's in it in pieces too. Another guy yeah, that's from yeah, America. Yes, he is. To, yes, he is. He went to oh, Spain God. and he was in a ton of Spanish horror films for Jess Franco and, and he co-starred with Paul Nashi. So, yeah. You so, had him in the Vampire's Night Orgy too, wasn't he in that? Yeah, so he's been a, he's been a monster around a few times and uh, he's yeah. welcome back anytime. But, but, the, I, think, but I was saying, Pieces, Pieces and Edge of the Axe, you got a little double feature of Spanish uh, slash films there. Perfect. Steve? You know, what's funny is when I've seen Edge of the Axe, I ran into it last when I went into Bloody Moon. I was like, Oh boy, I get to see Jeff Franco do his take on the slasher film. And I'm like, this has no touches that Jeff Franco would even directed this movie. What do you think of Bloody Moon? Bloody Moon is a Spanish, uh, is another example of this. This is Jeff Franco's early 80s slasher film. Yeah, I like Bloody Moon. It's okay. And, um, and, and we can very much bring this to a, to an April Ghouls one of these days, and maybe in the yeah. asshole slot. The asshole slot. Well, I'm going to probably fit, but, yeah, that's the act is one of those. I was expecting something lyrical after watching Vampires and some, and uh, Correct. Mary, Mary, Bloody Mary, and some of his other dream-like stuff, and I was like, I think it's exactly what he intended it to be, though. I mean, what you're talking about yeah. here is that these films, these previous films that you just mentioned, they were they were much more lavish productions and filmed in England and, and whatnot. And and the the movie that we're talking about, you know, it it, it, it absolutely has that direct to video feel is what it has, right? So I mean I wouldn't think that that wouldn't be beyond his intent to make the film look like that. That's the way the film was supposed to look. If it's sort of homaging, you know, that genre of, of axe murderers and, and uh, slashers and stuff. You know, I, I wanted to not like the movie. I watched it. Um, I watched it uh, prior to last year's April Ghouls because I hadn't seen it at all. I, I don't think I had it. Maybe. I don't remember. And I started to watch it, and I, I got like 10 minutes into it, and I was like, yeah, I don't know about this movie. You know, this is not something I would be interested in because it seems generic. But as it unfolded, you know, I really, I thought it was a lot of fun. And it was one of those movies I would immediately think that I would invite people over to watch because as a group, they would find it really humorous. I saw another movie a couple of months ago, and I've been pestering George about this. I saw a movie called Intruder, which I haven't seen for decades, with uh, a very with Sam Raimi. It's a very brief appearance of Bruce Campbell playing a police officer. It's about a grocery store that's on the verge of closing, and someone is killing all of the, the, the people in the store. And it's another movie like this that just has such a great 80s feel. And it was something that was uh, on the shelves at the video rental stores, and because of Raimi's name, you know, Evil Dead, I think, was all over it, right, to try to get people to rent it. And I remember renting it initially. Uh, Yeah. What's that? Have you seen it? Evil Dead, too, because this came out. Oh, Intruder, yeah. See, I thought I, back in the day I didn't think it was all that good, but then I rewatched it 
you know who the killer is like five minutes into the film. It's not. It's, this is not a genius level mm-hmm. written movie, but I just was telling George with the music and everything. It just it comes across as a really really tight um, '80s uh, slasher film. Like it's a lot of fun. So I I think we should show it in a future event. But we'll see about that. If they ever made a um, a print of it or something, because that's another one that went straight to video. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, I didn't. Have, I don't believe it had so theatrical. much trouble with the MPAA. That one had an amazing amount of stuff. Basically, almost every kill in that movie was cut in one way or another. It's and extremely it violent. Some of the stuff is. It's like borderline Fulci with some of the murders. Uh, one scene in particular, I think, with a meat saw, it's pretty gruesome, but uh, it's it's really over the top. It's very bloody and very over the top to the point it's almost cartoony, but I thought it was a lot of fun for what it was. So yeah. so that can, I guess that concludes our Friday night. Did you guys have any other questions about Friday? or? Yeah. Uh, who's going to be uh, the Friday guest? The Friday guest at our event? Yeah. Felissa Rose will be there with Dave Sheridan from Scary Movie. And um, mm-hmm. on the website, this well, on the Facebook page this week, we'll have the times and other stuff, the details listed for this. But she will be only attending on Friday night as well as Dave, and they will be there for photo ops and for signing. Um, we think at least through the – we know through the beginning of Slumber or rather, sleepaway camp, but I don't know how late she's staying. They have another engagement the following day, so I'm not sure how late they will be available for. For yeah, they're signing, right, Gene? Yeah, they're signing and doing photographs. Yeah. So we we okay. haven't and, uh, we have not we have not posted the price points on any of that yet, and we will do that this week. I'm not a real big person on posting any of that kind of stuff. Like I, I know one local convention here thrives on, you know, letting everybody know in advance what it's going to be. But you know what? It's just, I don't see a, a purpose for it. You know, if you're coming out to the event and you want to meet her and you want to do a photograph and you want to do, uh, you know, an autograph or whatever, you know, be prepared to pay. It's not free. And that's really all we need to say. So, but, no, but, the but reason why I made. Hold on, Steve. Watch uh, Josh. Mean, Go ahead. I may need you to give me her autograph because that's Absolutely, one that Josh, I really Absolutely, Josh. Not a problem like. at all. Nope. I can handle okay. that. So I can I handle that. Fact, the fact I'll send you – listen, Josh, I'll send you a snapshot of the photos that are available, and then you can pick one, and then we'll take care of it. How's that sound? All right. Sounds good. I, I just need to know a price point. That's all. <laughs> I'll let you know. All right. Now, thanks, as Gene was saying, no. we, we're not – Advertising the price the also because I, yeah we're not we're not adding you know we're not adding extra admission price you know cost to get in it's not a convention but we're trying to bring guests just to just to open up you know more of an audience and you know get right. something good going I mean here we have an opportunity to bring the actors from the film that we're showing and uh, like I said we're not it, it I I don't intend on raising ticket prices or anything like that it's like if you don't want to spend money for an autograph you don't have to she's going to be there if you want to meet her like Gene was saying so you know we would have had Linda Miller 
We had planned Linda Miller last fall for King Kong Escapes, but that that was not in the cards, obviously, because of the pandemic. But Linda actually recorded an opening for us, so um, that was a good thing. But I I had met Linda a a while before that. And, Josh, I think you were at Monster Bash when she was in. And um, I had said to her that, you know, probably at some point we were showing King Kong Escapes, and she expressed an interest in coming in for the event. And it just wasn't in the cards because of the pandemic. So fortunately, uh, this situation, the pandemic is far enough along now, and Felissa's been traveling across the country, and she's comfortable, so it was perfect. So that's why we have her. So we're very excited about that, and we're going to have a lot of fun with that on Friday night. So that's a good thing. The only reason I could see if uh, telling the prices way, way, way in advance is if there's one only going to be certain number of photo opportunities, or B, they they they're going to charge, uh, you know, and there's or they're just going to book it all in advance so they know how many photos they're going to take. Otherwise, show up to the table. They have they they're not stupid no, enough to I, not have the money there, you know. I I actually know I know what convention Gene is talking about. I I won't call it out or anything. Right. But it has it has actually scared me away from going. It was convention. That's exactly my point, Josh. Because when you look uh, at what people are charging, she's not going to be charging unreasonable amounts of money, obviously. But there's so much negativity when you see what people put down for photo ops and stuff, they go, well, what? I'm not paying that. Well, then don't pay it. That's yeah. the way it goes, you know? I mean, yes, the, the old-fashioned way is to ask your friend that's at that convention to text them and say, how much is so-and-so charging? Yep. <laughs> that's the way we did it for years, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I mean, I'm I mean, I'm not an autograph hound. This, this one's kind of stinging a little bit because I wanted to meet Felicia Rose for the longest time. I think she'll I come back to the area. She's 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 uh, she does a lot of conventions. I would think that she'd be back in the Pittsburgh area at some point. So I'm sure she will. Yeah. I'm, totally I'm sure hoping she to will. meet her. But at least I can get an autograph now from absolutely. A, from a we'll take care. Yeah, we'll, we'll take make care sure that that's yeah. We'll figure but, uh, out what yeah. photo you want, and we'll get it. We'll we'll get her to sign for you. It's not a problem, Josh. We got you covered. Cool. So, yeah, but but the, the one convention that we were saying, it, it's just it scares a lot of people away. I, I see seventy, eighty bucks. I'm like, my God, I'm 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 a dad and I'm supporting a family of five. I can't yeah, afford exactly. Well, but, you know, well, I went to yeah. My, I saw myself, George Takai. This is why I don't go to conventions really. Anymore. I saw George Takai at that convention, and I knew what I was walking into financially. With, with with meeting him and doing the photo op, and I had to commit to it in particular because he wasn't doing table photo ops, and uh, it was not, it was a lot of money from in, in my opinion, uh, but I committed to it because you know I missed George the first time he was in Pittsburgh because it was in December and I was actually traveling out of the area at that time, and uh, so it was just like okay you know are we going to get George back through here and. Probably not, and if we do, you know, where will I be and what's going on? So I totally, you know, I went for the, I went for it and did it. But I'm not a real big person on that kind of stuff either, like professional photo ops and stuff. I've only done two professional photo ops 
with celebrities in my entire life, and those two are Jamie Lee Curtis and, and George Romero. And I wanted to do something nice with George because I had met George over the years and done a lot of table photos with George. And, you know, we were in the height of our uh, Evan City, um, you know, fundraising and all that stuff. And, and Kevin's uh, Living Dead weekends were taking off. And it was just like, this is a good thing to do. I thought to myself, you know what, this is worth it because George is someone – that is important to, you know, the Pittsburgh area and, and to the horror world, and he's a big name, so I went ahead and did a professional photo op with him. <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis, I had no choice because, again, you weren't allowed to take photos at the table, so you had to buy the photo op, and, and that's a once-in-a-lifetime thing because she's just, she doesn't do conventions, so it was either, you know, you're either going to do this or you're going to regret doing it the rest of your life, so I did it, and I don't regret it for one minute, you know. No, I don't blame her because I actually heard of a story about this guy got on a group, a horror group, and was bragging that he tried to get Jamie Lee Curtis to sign a bottle of Activia. I'm surprised she didn't sign it because she had a, when I met her, she had a very big sense of humor. But, you know, the funny thing was a, a, a two, two observations here. She was a little put off by the amount of security at that event. And they were following her to the bathroom and all over the place, but that those people were allowing her to find butcher knives that could have killed her, which was – I couldn't believe that they were letting letting people bring butcher knives to have her sign. That's just ridiculous. That's, that's, that's like a role at a convention. You can't well, bring weapons. It, it, they were actual metal – yeah. And, you know, and she said to the one security, people were following her all over the place, and she kind of put a scene on in the hallway at one point, and she said – you let people bring butcher knives to my table to, that could harm me, but when I want to pee by myself, I'm not allowed. <laughs> you know, <laughs> who's 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 going to bother me at this? Who, she's like, who's going to bother me at this convention? Let me go to the bathroom myself, because it was ridiculous. That like six or seven people, cops included, following her to the bathroom and standing outside, and you know, you'd see this poor girl exiting the bathroom not knowing that Jamie had walked in and then she would, these people would walk out and be surrounded by cops. It was priceless. I wish I had taken pictures. And they didn't even know that she had gone in the bathroom because she went in the stall. But that was one point that she made, you know, about the, that, that whole situation. And then I saw her decline to sign a Halloween 4 poster because it was this, he, this guy was one of those weirdos that you see at conventions. You could just tell by looking at this guy that he had problems. And he walks up with this Halloween 4 poster and wants her to sign it, and she told him no. She's like, I wasn't even in this movie. I'm not signing this. She goes, go get something else. <laughs> she says, he was like, well, this is my favorite Halloween movie. And she's like, that's nice, but I'm not in this movie, and I'm not signing a poster for a movie that I'm not in. And it was like this little exchange back and forth, and finally he got the picture, you know, and he left. But I felt bad for him, but it's like, you know, what kind of wacko are you to bring Jamie Lee Curtis a Halloween poster for a movie she's not even in? Why, what is wrong with this guy? But you've done enough of these conventions that you've seen these type of fans. They're just, there's something wrong with them. They're just not, they're not playing with a full deck, you know? Yeah, yeah I remember sure. the first time I went to, uh, Kelly Monroe was saying, and this guy took 20 minutes. And the line was like back out of from where what was he that was for, to the door. No, Steve. no, the, the, what he's talking about, 
the Caroline Monroe thing was, um, oh, what was it? Was it um, horror horror realm? I think. No, I don't think it was Monster Bash. But the was it Monster Bash? No, it wasn't Monster Bash because it's where we first met, Josh. But the point okay. was is that this guy was talking like 25 minutes in the line to get signed for was backed at the door. Right. And as soon as we got up there, she was just like, I love my fans, but oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, and she she's a sweetheart, by the way. Well, that's her. Her daughter probably wasn't there with her for that one, I would guess, because her no, daughter no, usually she, does. she actually was. That's, I'm surprised because she usually moves – people along pretty well. I mean, she doesn't usually let that kind of stuff go on. And, you know, there, you, you have to do that as a handler. I've worked with celebrities enough as a handler or whatever you I guess I don't know if I, you're considered a handler when you sit with them or whatever, as assistant, as a personal assistant for the day or whatever. I guess it's handler. And I get rid of people real fast. You know, I, I, I just move them, and that's it. <laughs> I say, thanks for coming. Nice to see you. And then get rid of them. I mean, you know, more than five or ten minutes, that's way too long, especially if you're dealing with a line because, you know, there's expectations with the, with the fans as customers that you need to be able to give them what they want, plus the fact that you're also cutting down on the amount of money that the, the celebrity is going to make that's going to end up coming out of the promoter's pocket. So ultimately you want to move as many people as much as possible for both reasons. But, you know, there are always, there's always these fans that are in their own world that just come up and talk for like three hours. And, you know, you don't want to be rude to them, but it's like, you know, come see me later when there's no line and we'll, you can talk with me. You know, that's a good, good, good policy. Like I've said that before, come back when so-and-so isn't busy and you can hang out and talk with us. And I always say mm-hmm. this, like myself and them. You know what I mean? It makes them feel comfortable. Stay later at the convention, seriously. Me and Steve stayed late at Horror Realm one, one year, and we were able to sit and talk with, um, oh, I, I can never remember his name. Um, the guy who plays Dante Clerks. Da- like Dante and, and Clerks. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but sure. we were able to sit there and BS <laughs> with him for half an hour to an hour. I, I See, mean, Monster Bash is later. really good for that, too. Monster Bash has a really good yeah. atmosphere. Yeah for that because they're always out in the lobby having food and stuff after the signing is done for the day and the fans are very approachable or the celebrities are very approachable so one of the great things about Monster Bash and its mom and pop sort of style is that the people are very approachable they're not locked away in a suite somewhere you know with a gate down in front of them you can just walk up to them and sit down with them at your table or be invited to sit Mm -hmm. at the table and talk with them and stuff and that's very nice so well, I wanted to, guys, before we, I don't know how much, Steve, yeah. how much more time do we have? Do we have, like, seven more minutes, or, or, or what are, when are we finishing up tonight? Well, we've got to go sure. through the second night in the movie. That's what I'm waiting on. Okay, that's all I wanted to figure out. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> let's go. Uh, well, Saturday, you're probably going to have a few arguments, because this has always been the eternal argument of the 80s horror fans. Which one is better, American Werewolf in London or The Howling? They're completely different movies except for their werewolf film, so there's no argument. That's exactly it. They're totally two different subject material. The American Werewolf in London is, is essentially a comedy um, horror film, and The Howling is a psychological thriller. So 
No. <laughs> I think the well, argument is Well, there's a Big Werewolf films that came out in 1981, so that's, that's why those comparisons are made. I think and they both have a Rick fact. Baker connection, because didn't Rick Baker start the effects on the Howling and it was replaced by Rob Bottin? Yes. So yes. There's like that. That's where the comparisons come in because, right? You know, there weren't like a lot of big werewolf movies for years, and then like in 1981, you get two. They also had Wolfman, which is not you know nearly as big as. It's not a werewolf film, though. No, it's right. not. You're right, but you know, it, you can throw it in 1981 as far as like the year of kind of those kind of you know like I love wolves. I agree. Werewolf comeback, yeah, wolf comeback, whatever you know, but. Yeah, I think those, those, that's where the comparisons are made because, but I just think it'll be fun to to, to show them together. And it's not like you get in the same movie. No, nope. you're just getting two different werewolf movies that came out the same year together. Absolutely. And, uh, some people like yeah, one more, two, a lot two more two than the other. Some people. Transformations you know. in werewolf history ever. Well, you're saying that they're two of the greatest transformation sequences in werewolf history. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. But they're different takes. They're different takes. One is more dog-like, and one is more human-like. So that's there's a big difference yeah. there between between the two. Gene, right? I'm, I'm thinking what they're. I think what they're. What he's saying is like the actual filming of the whole transformation, like like right. e- each part, like from human to. Beast, you know. I prefer like how the thing. two of them, the Howling, in terms of the transformation. I think the Howling is is much more scary the way it was shot in the in the room with the smoke and stuff, and uh, the, the the werewolf is like eight feet tall and it towers over her and has these sharp claws. I think that it's a lot more scarier than the dog-like wolf um, from um, American Werewolf in London. Definitely. But they yeah. show more in American Werewolf along with them than they do. David Nowton's, uh transformation is is much more um, impressive, probably overall, with the amount of body that's shown, and you know it's done in full light, which certainly the Howling is done in the darkness, which hides some of the defects, I'm sure. But but that that's my take. George, what's your take on the transformations? I I agree with what what you say. Okay. I mean, I, I, think that, I think that they're definitely, like, they're definitely showcasey, you know, and that was, the, I think that was one of the points, that was one of the intentions of these of these films to, like, really modernize werewolf right. cinema, where it wasn't just the, uh, the time-lapse, you know, werewolf transformation, which is basically what went before in almost every uh, werewolf transformation film on cinema that I can think of. Now you right. have like these, you know, prosthetics and and all, all kinds of crazy effects, and you know, and, and Rick Baker, we won an Oscar, right, for that. Yep, uh, I believe so. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm still, I, I still love American Werewolf in London's transformation, just for the whole. You can see the agony that there, he's going oh, yeah, through he the whole that's time. For sure. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, see you his can body change too. Yeah. Um, but if you want to go yeah. for a body transformation, uh, I'm still a sucker for the original Wolfman. <laughs> yeah, it's I good. Mean, but you know, simple. out of the two I movies, think, go ahead. No, I, I, I still think the best transformation is the Werewolf of Washington. But oh, go ahead. God. 
I think that well, I, over the years I have grown to like American Werewolf in London a lot more. I, I was kind of put off by the comedy aspects of it back in the day, to be honest with you. But it has just grown on me so much over the last thirty years or how many years it's been. Um, it's out of the two movies. It's something that I can pull out and just randomly watch. Like I'll be in the mood for that movie and I'll just stick it in, and it's like I love it. I think it's spectacular. I like it's so well written. Jenny Auger is just a treasure. I loved her in um, loved her in Logan's Run, and uh, she's spectacular in this. And the ending of the movie it just gets me every single time. Um, it just because you never know. I mean, I'm assuming people have seen this movie, so we're not talking spoilers here, but you never know when you mm-hmm. see the end of that movie if actually for that one split second that he recognized her or that the truth of the curse was that love would kill the wolf. So that was the one second that he wasn't primal, but he was he he was in love that one second, which was enough for the police to shoot him and, and end the curse. So, I mean, what what take do you have on the end of the movie? I mean, is that where we're at with this whole thing? Do you guys feel the same way, or do you think it's just the way it ended? Like, there's nothing to it. I think it, I think there's sort of a message there at the end of the film. No, yeah, yeah it's like I a agree. King Kong, Beauty you know, and the Beast. I love how it just ended, and there wasn't no filler after that. We got to see the end. No, it was wonderful. That abrupt, that abrupt editing directly to 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 uh, Blue Moon was incredible. John Landis, that John Landis's editing is editing is really good, and that's that's a perfect example there of how it just it just that movie ends so fast it doesn't give you a chance to feel any emotion one way or the other until the credits are rolling, and then you're just like, holy shit, what did I just see? And I prefer that over the ending of The Howling because the whole female werewolf thing at the end of The Howling was just I don't know what the hell Joe Dante was thinking about that. I mean, that movie was was great up until that point, and then the end where she's transforming into this werewolf on TV. You're all excited, that, you know, it's going to be, and then she's like a little like Pekingese dog or something, you know? It's like <laughs> yeah, why, yeah, why, 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 two little Pekingese with a little wiggly nose. Right? Why, going, how, oh my I, God! You're like, oh. <laughs> It was so funny to me because it's like, okay, we saw the other female character, Marcia, or whatever her name was in the film, or the actress. We saw her transform into this she-bitch werewolf. It's really scary. And then all of a sudden, you know, uh, the ending of this movie, she looks like a cartoon character. It's like she belongs on Disney or something. And, And I guess, I don't know what the hell Joe Dante was thinking about it. I think I saw an interview where he talked about it but you know it, that was kind of a for this movie to be so grim and to get to the end of it and have that happen was a big disappointment for me anyway so could it be runtime you know, what's that could it be runtime i have no idea no no and we talked know. about the other three too halloween three and mausoleum which are fun so basically there is no asshole slot this year oh they're all it's pretty like good he has declared there isn't any steve has come I out of his hole i didn't realize there was one in the past steve yeah. has come There's out of his hole and nothing as bad as son of dracula this year i'll give you that yeah I think that's the here. bar when it comes to bad. <laughs> well, I want to 
I'm going to pop in this real quick while we're while we're you know I'm going to talk about a couple things here about the drive and um, I want to mention uh, the specials the food specials for the weekend are going to be Haluski homemade beef vegetable soup uh, homemade um, cheddar broccoli homemade chili soft taco Nashville hot chicken basket taco pierogi pizza cheesecake funnel cake with strawberries taco or, pierogi pizza being two different things right. Two different things, I'm sorry. Yes. That's Taco, right. comma, and pierogi pizza. No, because I just I want to clarify myself. <laughs> cheesecake, funnel cake with strawberries or blueberries and whipped cream. So that came from Emma last night. That is the... So that's, that means cheesecake-flavored funnel cake. Yeah, I've had words. that before. It's interesting. But you know I've that never sounds... eaten an entire funnel cake on my own. I can't possibly. So I know Steve has. Several. Yeah. yeah, the one they give we've you, seen, you need like a forklift to take it over there. It's so big. Yeah, I can't Guys, by that the way, big. I will make a plug that that um, the soups that they have is absolutely amazing. If you guys haven't tried it, try the broccoli yep. cheese soup. It's awesome. Uh-huh. Yeah, they do a good job. Their food mm. is really good. Their food is definitely heads above the average, uh, the average drive-in. It's good stuff. So it's come out and support those folks and buy their food, and then it's great food for a cold night in spring when you're with your friends watching a movie and having a good time. It's just a great feel. And, of course, hot dogs, cheeseburgers, uh, hamburgers, um, nachos, popcorn, everything else. Yep, everything else is available as well. So all that stuff. Um, We are still socially mitigating, uh, so we are asking everybody to please be respectful and wear masks. Um, especially when you're going to the concession stand or you're in the bathroom, and also socially mitigate and don't don't crowd the concession stand and you know watch how many people are in the bathroom. Everybody kind of managed themselves last fall. Um, this is not something that we're going to walk around and yell at people about or police. That's not our job. We just want everybody to have a safe time and everybody to enjoy themselves. So, and and if somebody wants to approach me for an autograph. Don't speak to me for more than 20 minutes or else Gene the Handle will push you away. I will push you away. <laughs> I will. I will do that. Actually, I like I think and it's I funny. I actually when... seen that happen. The guy was shocked. It was like, uh, and then George looked down his watch. He's like, okay, 20 minutes. Woo! Yeah, but see, like I said, <laughs> at the end of the day, it's business. You're ruining the experience for other fans which is rude, and you're also cutting into the cash flow, so you need to move along. Hey, George, while Time you're at go. it, why don't, why don't you guys talk about your baskets, too? Oh, my, well, mine's rather large. How about yours? Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> not to brag. It's a little cold out. Well, well you know, it, people. I've had mine raffled off before. But anyway. Right, so, 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 yes, because Friday night we have guests, and then Saturday we were, we were trying to get a guest, and so we're going to be set up. So we decided at the last minute to do a raffle basket, and uh, I ended up uh, doing it. And uh, it's got a lot of good content. It. All the contents of this basket are. Um, Pertaining to Saturday night's movies, so you have a uh, three-pack action figures from the Halloween Three, the uh, Silver Shamrock Man. That's that's long sold out. I'm pretty sure too. And the one is the, 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 the three-pack of 
It's getting harder to yeah, get. The yeah, the necklace set. Oh, they're the around, necklace, exactly. but they're rolled up in price. Yeah, we we we, we <clears> have <throat> an info. We have what the uh, the the figure. What is it? What is it? What is he called? The the Nazi soldier. Yeah, from, yeah, from the American we Werewolf. This is the universal one. This is not the one that's coming out in a few months. So this is the out of print uh figure. And then we have a bunch okay. of autographs. We have D. Wallace's autograph. We have uh from the Howling Force, we have um David Norton from American Wealth, we have John Lannis autograph from American Wealth and Bobby Which is Breezy impressive. from Mausoleum. Yeah, Bobby Breezy from Mausoleum and a few other assorted uh Items, uh, American World, little uh, like Lego type custom made figure, a howling uh, he- like a ceramic headpiece, some yep. stickers. Uh, yeah, it's it's, it's, it's really cool. It's basket. beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. If you go to the Facebook page, it's posted there, and uh, it's, I, it's a, yeah, did I a great a job. Lot. I put a lot of effort into it. I, you know, I I did it over the course of a few weeks, but I, you know, I in my spare time, I was going to craft stores and Kinko's and, you know, any place to get supply. I mean, I, I really Home like Home Depot for paints. <laughs> it's, it's really a nice, it's a nice, nice mountain basket of stuff. And it's, it's really cool. And like I said, this a whole, uh, you know, if you support the basket, buy raffle tickets. They're only a dollar piece. You can buy 25 for 20, which is great because uh, a lot of the patrons do do that. And uh, it'll go into the next show, and hopefully we're going to be getting, trying to get a guest for September too. So yeah, we're looking at some some people for September, and we pretty much George won't go into detail about future shows, but we're kind of already planned for the next couple of years in terms of key movies uh, that he wants to show. So things are and things the, are the Lynn on. Holly Johnson night will happen. Yep. Absolutely. No, because you said that would be the last night. <laughs> yeah. Well, so. it's not. It's it's not over until it's over. <laughs> We're going to do Lynn Holly Johnson's 70th birthday. So. <clears throat> exactly. We'll have her and Robbie <laughs> Benson then for the Ice Castles extravaganza. Actually, I think we can get. Uh-huh. She made some terrible movie about aliens in the 1980s in. Uh, <laughs> And, and Europe, so we could do four movies with her because we would do th- we would do Ice Castles, Watcher in the Woods, for your eyes only, which would probably cost us a lot of money, and then ultimately uh, whatever that '80s movie is where they're uh, her and her oh, friends are like camping. Oh, jump off a cliff! <laughs> <laughs> it was just on TCM the other night, about a week or two ago, mm-hmm. and I posted on the Facebook page, and I think some people didn't get the joke. So the same people that say stupid things on Facebook all the time. No names mentioned. Anyway. The same people that tag people. Yeah, there's a couple people. You don't know how mad Josh gets and gripes at me every year. He's like, they keep promising me ice castles, but I never get to watch it. Who? Josh. Oh, Josh, you like ice castles? Are you a fan? My favorite. You know that. <laughs> we we can deliver the trailer, so Yeah, he did bring the trailer out last September. It was impressive. We could do karaoke for it too. Oh, so yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, come out Please don't let this feeling happen. Yeah. What's that? 
And thank you guys for being on, and thank you guys can come out and support these guys this week. We're being we're dismissed. Time. I thought this was a two-hour show. What's going on? We're being dismissed. <laughs> well, this is like Sprock. This is like this is like Sprocket Gene when he gets tired of the gap. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on? Remember Sprocket? Well, Gene said he had to go. No, I don't have to go anywhere, but this is like Sprockets where he goes, I'm bored now. Goodbye. And <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, We've entertained Steve long enough this evening. So sorry. Yeah, no, the, the reason why I'm laughing yeah, about I Ice mean, Castle, it though. Great that, yeah. What about it? I'm sorry. <laughs> I was just saying, the reason why I'm laughing about Ice Castle, six, six days ago, my wife's godmother posted, watching Ice Castles, Ladies was ladies, was there anyone more gorgeous in the seventies teen scene than Robbie Benson? Yeah, it was just on TCM. Turner Classics ran it a couple like I last think we week. started this last this Tuesday, time. actually. Ooh. You know? White Castles. So we talk about Ice Castles for thirty years and now what are you talking about? Nobody was <laughs> listen, let me tell you guys something. Nobody was looking at Robbie. They were looking at Tom Skerritt, who they were looking at, so you know, he was Tom Skerritt was the one, not Robbie Benson, my God. <laughs> we were like and, and who was Colleen Dewhurst? I mean, wasn't she the wasn't she the, the the older woman in that movie too? So I just my fascination with Ice Castles is this, and I've said this before, and George, we always laugh about it. The theme song is called "Looking Through the Eyes of Love," and she's blind. What great irony! That's just you know. Well, she loses her sight, but then she gets it back at the end. Of course she does, but I'm just saying it's like so. The song is called "Looking Through the Eyes of Love" because she doesn't need to have eyesight because love is everything. That's the way the seventies were. It was like they would hit you over the head with these with these you know, you know, we they didn't have the Hallmark channel for Ice Castles. There should be an Ice Castles T V series on Hallmark. There you go. And it could we they could and it could get you know, before it gets cancelled they could bring like vampires in and stuff and you know. And then Holly Johnson could she could smell monsters because she's blind. So she and Robbie Benson have to go out in a in a van and track monsters down, and she smells them. There you go. If anybody at Hallmark's listening, yeah, I don't know why they did that. That was because my sister would watch them and be like the other side of the mountain, ice castles and stuff. Oh and my God! You're really dragging the titles them. out now. Yeah. The other side I of the mountain. Love. It's oh like my God, like, on a two-way I street. I found love now. Okay, and then Dr. Joaquin, you have cancer. <laughs> Robbie Benson, oh, my God, is he still alive? Yes, he's yeah, very much see. alive. I saw him on an episode of One Day at a Time where he was disco dancing with Anne Marimano. She, he, she was, he was supposed to be Julie's or Barbara's date, long. and he came home and fell in love with her instead, so... Terrible. Terrible. I think he directs now. He's, but, he, you know, in recent years, he's did a lot of voiceover for, like, Disney. So it was like, he was like the voice of the Beast of Beauty and the Beast. Well, good for him. Good I for mean, him. that was a while ago now. But, I mean, I think any, I, he directs. I mean, he's, he's always been, you know, very productive. So, yeah, it is good for him because he's had a pretty damn good career. Even though I he was too. It's good to an see. actor. Of, all, right. All kidding aside, it's good to see when celebrities transition 
from working in front of the lens, behind the lens, and have successful careers, rather than the horrible things that happen to, say, for instance, the cast of, you know, different strokes, where it's like, you know, how two of the, two out of three of the kids had horrible lives. Well, Todd Bridges' life was pretty horrible until he straightened it out, right? So, yeah. If well, he's still alive, he, or they all come face dead? to face with the yeah, once you come face to face with the bicycle man, that's that's what happens. Yeah, it's a bicycle man. God, that's your favorite episode. <laughs> Todd Bridges is still alive, right? Yeah, yeah, he's the only one, I think. Yeah, he really is the only one. Conrad Bain is dead. All, yeah, Conrad Bain's dead, too. They're all dead. And the woman that played that, and uh, what's her name? Charlotte Ray's gone. So that's another sitcom where everybody's dead. Well, well the other, the other, uh, Wait, the other uh, maid about? is still alive. The, yeah, the second maid, right? The third maid. Third, because they, they no, had that woman Adderley. Yeah, Was Sandy Duncan died. the third? Sandy Duncan. <laughs> Where'd you get that from, Steve? <laughs> no. He <laughs> <laughs> had he had to stop and think. Actually, Sandy Duncan ended up on. She ended up on Facts of Life. She was Charlotte. No, no, Ray. no. No, that, that was uh, uh, Valerie's family. No, there was a, she did it on there too. Cloris Leachman. Cloris Leachman. Cloris Leachman. That's I right. I said that five minutes ago, damn the it. The other Sandy Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> the oldest Sandy Duncan. That's so funny. I know. I'm just messing with you guys. I think it's hysterical. It's like what yeah, I tell people. Yeah, but Cloris Leachman died last year. Yeah, I have her autograph, actually. I actually, yeah, I got her autograph, believe it or not. She was so. funny as hell. I liked her. Yeah. I liked her and Valerie Harper a lot. I didn't. I never got to meet Valerie Harper, and I'm sorry that I didn't. But uh, she, out of the three of them, she would have been the one that I definitely wanted to meet the most. And, you know, uh, Mary Tyler Moore just did not do, she didn't do conventions. And I understand she wasn't, she didn't sign either for people. So she was pretty inaccessible. So... She was sort of done. When she was done, that was the end of it. You know, I think mm-hmm. she faced so many physical challenges later in life, she didn't have time for much of anything at all down to the very end. So it was a big – That was her death was a was rough for me because, you know, Mary Tyler Moore is probably my favorite sitcom of all time. It's hard to pick a sitcom that's the funniest that you like, but I think Mary Tyler Moore is that show for me. So – you, that, you hate my favorite. I, yeah, the Golden Girls? No. My <laughs> favorite of all time is still Mama's Family. I don't like that show. <laughs> I know you don't. You know why I don't like it? I'm going to tell you why. And I told you this before. I think we talked about this on Facebook and in person. I just felt, here's what I felt was bad about Mama's Family. I just felt it was a waste of talent because that character was so funny when Vicky was doing it on Carol Burnett, and then she got her own show, and I was excited about it. And then they, they basically, her whole family are like idiots, right? And that's why I have a problem with that. I just feel like poor Vicki Lawrence is wandering around, you know, in a, with a bunch of people that aren't as good as her. That's the way, that's the way I feel about Golden Girls. I mean, well, the, I'm a the big, earlier mama's, mama's families were better with, when they actually see, I don't had Carol Burnett and, um, oh, like, yeah, and Carol Burnett. Foreman on there, you know. Right, exactly, and you well, know you're, you're saying that you're saying that the first two seasons were better, right, George? 
Yeah, I mean, from what I remember, the early ones were, were better, and then it just kind of like it, it didn't go anywhere. It just seemed like it went off too. It's a lot of shows for me, at least, that went on too long. <laughs> and the, the same way with yeah. and see the Golden Girls too. Here's the thing about the Golden Girls: Rue and and B were brilliant and Maud, okay, and of course, uh, what's her name that was on there too? Um, shoot, help me, old person moment here. Uh, the other actress. Martha. The author. No, the other actor from Golden Girls. No, the Estelle I don't know. Getty. No, Estelle Getty. Really? Betty White. Betty White. Yeah, Betty White. Betty White. And I just felt like I just felt like that show was was like it was like a it was like a what do you call it like a the Justice League of comedy women right and I just felt like the scripts were bad and it was just. You know, it fell short, and, it, and I, I didn't find anything funny about a bunch of elderly women living in Florida retired that were, you know, undersexed or oversexed and miserable. And, you know, I just felt kind of like at that age they should have discovered everything about their lives, and there was nothing more to discover. Maybe if the pens worked better than a different diaper or something, you know, but I just didn't, I didn't. I just didn't. I just sat there and tried to watch it, and was like, "This is awful. I can't take this." And are we, of are we taking you, callers now? <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> Did no? you even have anybody call, Steve? But yeah, I mean, it's one of those. It's like I don't understand. That was an '80s thing too. Letting any kind of successful sitcom just go on too long. Well. I think Happy Days set the precedence for that. They just ran the shark jumping one, like on MeTV, like four days ago or three days ago, and that was... Happy Days, after a while, it became a show that took place in the 70s and early 80s about a middle-aged guy who was obsessed with the 50s. Yeah, That's it's really the... what it was. It was awful. Yeah. And I like yeah, Henry Wiggler. That's a shame. I love Henry Wiggler. I know. It took place in the 50s, and then all of a sudden, they're dressed like the 80s in the last two seasons. And the Fonz is a school teacher. It's sort yeah, of well, unbelievable. Chachi, Chachi right? had eighties hair. I mean, in the in the, it's supposed to be what like nineteen, early sixties by the time he came on that show, and he looked like something right out of nineteen eighty two. So you know. Yeah, <laughs> he was off. Scott Bayo, what a douche. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what a total douche. Oh, Aaron Moran, who cares if she died? She's a drug addict. Okay, whatever. Yeah, whatever. What whatever, Chachi. Like your your name was Chachi on a on a on a sitcom. Who are you, Scott Bayo? Whatever. All right, guys. I, Chachi I, I, in charge. Oh my god, was that a Saturday morning Chachi in outer space? Was that on Saturday mornings? No. Yeah, they did have happy days in outer space. space. Yeah, I remember that. And for some reason, Ron Howard and Don Donnie most they leave Happy Days, but then they do that cartoon. They do the voices for that cartoon. I mean, it's like, I, I, I even as a kid, that was like mind-boggling to me. It's like I, I was like a kid watching the show. I mean, I mean, it was, I wasn't that young, but I mean, just, I'm like, why would they leave the, the Happy Days and but do this stupid cartoon? Like everybody was in that. outer space. Josie and the Pussycats went the to Fox's outer space. Family. The Partridge Party family Fair? went to outer space. Gilligan's Island was in outer space. That's right, Gilligan's Planet, right? Gilligan's Planet, which is unbearable. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, they were. Everything was in outter space. I'm surprised Scooby Doo. I, I love Gilligan's Island, but yeah, you're right. Those cartoons. But Scooby Doo was even in the future, except for Scooby turned into a shark. 
and it was called Jabberjaw because it was essentially the exact same show, you know. A wacky dog replaced by a wacky shark, a bunch of kids, and some sort of, they had like a mystery underwater spaceship that they traveled around in, and there were sinister people trying to destroy the underwater city. Whatever. Unbelievable. This is this is why we are yeah. the product of what we are today. This is what we grew up on. So, And we look back on it and yeah. think it's kind of weird, but when you look at all the cartoons today, the stuff we watch is nothing. Compared to the weirdness, that yeah. The kids nowadays, nowadays we have to cut the cartoons because we don't want to upset the kids. They didn't give a damn about upsetting us. Oh, I think the kids are weird enough already. We don't need to censor anything from oh, them. So. You have no fucking idea. Oh, I do. I have. I have <laughs> twins that live next door. I have twin girls that live next door to me that are like little adults. That their sense of uh, they could sit down and watch zombie movies without any problem whatsoever. They're that advanced. It's just the, young the way Brady it is. Twins. Huh? Like yeah, the great no, twins. No, no. Kids are so desensitized nowadays. They certainly are. You're right about that. Yeah. Nothing shocks yeah. them. Nothing shocks no, them at all. No. So and you have four thousand channels. Yeah, I mean. It's- it's a different world. Yeah, you can't, keep, on, you can't just, keep up on it. Your phone and... Except, do you know what, what terrifies my kids? Steve will remember this. At the, at the drive-in Monsterama, I bought, you guys may remember, I bought this, it was a skeleton butler that Creepy Classics had for sale. Okay, this yeah. This little animatronic thing. Yeah, I remember that thing, yes. Yeah, I, I bought it. It right. terrifies the hell out of my kids. Wow. Because that is why. the one thing. I don't know. They can watch other stuff. <laughs> Night of the Living Dead and, and stuff like that. But to that, I call Mr. Bones. That scares the hell out of them. Oh, God. Well, <laughs> weird things like that do scare people. So, yeah. Steve, what scared you as a kid? I think, uh, yeah, and having to get up in the morning, oh, God, no, please let me be lazy and sleep in. That's what it was, getting up in the morning? It wasn't like a monster in the house or a TV show or something? Mine was Oh, the opening story in Asylum when that head starts rolling across the floor. Okay. That's obscure. Josh, what did you think? Yeah, the paper bag head. Wrap it up in paper. Yeah, the paper bag head rolling, and it's like breathing through the thing. That's great. I love that. (laughs) Josh, what did you... What's another monster I'm a favorite? Warwick Davis as the troll. Yeah, he was scary. Uh, I mean, I'd have to go into my bathroom, open every single cabinet door, pull back the shower curtain just because that's a stupid movie. Wow. I, I, we talked about this last night on our show. Um, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark impacted me, the original movie with, uh, oh, with Kim Lord, Darby. Yeah. That's, that caused me a lot of problems as a kid. I, it, it, still to this day, I don't like to have closet doors open when I'm sleeping because of that movie. I don't know why. It's just I think because yeah. the demons were <laughs> sneaking in and out of closets. Steve thinks it's funny. It's not funny, Steve. Well, you, you, were, you yeah. brought that up because of Felix, though, right? Because of what? 
Felix. You brought that up because of Felix, though, right? Yeah, we did last night. Yeah, it was. You, did you meet? You met him when he was up in Monster Bash, right? Oh uh, yeah, very very sweet guy. Yeah, I, I liked nice him a guy. lot. I couldn't believe how endearing he was to the fans. He was just. Uh, he was somebody that was just very approachable, and you know, you you actually couldn't get away from him. It was sort of the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> it was just a wonderful guy. So he was just so happy to be there, and you know, he was a fantastic, uh, you know, uh, contributor to the whole our whole pop culture. He played so many characters. So what a great guy. But yeah, all right. Well, anything else? Are we done? Can I go eat? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> eat. I'm being Good silly. I'm I did eat before. Well, I actually yeah, ate. come out and we'll have the usual dealers that we we'll always have, and you'll have guests assigned. So not only is it great movies at night, you can do a little shopping like you used to do at the conventions during. The oh, day. that's another thing too. Good point. Uh, Ron Adams and Creepy Classics are back in, in the concession stand, as always, and Time Bomb Toys will be right outside the door in their tent, and they have a lot of merchandise that applies to movies that we're showing. So thank you for reminding me of these. A lot of 80s monster-related yeah. stuff. Yeah. Hmm. We can't forget our two vendors, and, and maybe in the future we'll add more. We have to wait and see how that goes. It's something we're talking about, but we're not we're not committed to that at this point in the game, so we'll see. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I've well, seen too many people pleasure. do that, bragging in vain oh, and look like a, and look like an idiot when the plans fall through. <laughs> the what fell through? The plans fall through. It's like, yeah, we were talking to them, but, well, things happen. Who are we talking about? You know, I think he's talking like about most about. conventions. Oh, okay, well, people, or, you shouldn't. Yeah. You don't. You shouldn't go on Facebook and say everything that you're going to do until it's absolutely going to happen. That's rule number one. And um, I see fans doing that all the time. We're going to have a convention, and we're going to have so and so and so and so and so and so. And the only thing that goes through my head when I read these articles is the episode of the Brady Bunch where they're having the fucking play in their backyard. So. <laughs> If you're a professional event planner, you don't talk about anything publicly until it's happening. You don't live in the what-if world. That makes you look like a Hi-ho. Hi-ho. to where we go. I did like Alice as the Wicked Witch, though. That was really good, you know. Who would have known Alice was was such a good actress? Because she wasn't really Alice. She was Andy Davis (laughs) playing the Wicked Witch. (laughs) Nobody will ever know her as Ann B. Davis. Everybody knows her. You know, as um, as uh, Alice, right? She lived yeah. here for, for she lived here for decades. Did you know that, George? No, I didn't. She lived in Pittsburgh? she lived in Ambridge, Pennsylvania, for decades. Right up the right Dude, and, that's, up in, that's half hour from me. <laughs> you did you know that? Not even. No. So you know what's funny was you know she was in Ambridge for a lot of years before she relocated to Texas, where she had excuse me she ended up dying in Texas in an accident in her bathtub. But um, it's so funny because we used to, Kyra and I used to always say, why don't we get in a car and just drive to Ambridge and find Alice? <laughs> like, I mean, Ambridge, Ambridge isn't a far drive from Pittsburgh. You just swing through no, swiftly right on 65. I mean, she was on a, she, she worked with a church that was up there, whatever religion she was in. 
and um, Lutheran or something, and she was involved with the church, and she was very highly visible all the time. And I, I, I thought it would have been fun just to, like, get in a car and, you know, go to church on a Sunday or show up outside the church and be like, Alice. I don't know how she would have I wonder if she got it a lot, though. I'm sure, I'm sure she did. I'm sure she totally did. I just I couldn't believe it. She was in the Pittsburgh area for a long time. It was like, that was strange. Oh, and I, I was at a that. strange story. I was at this, um, I, I did a Dark Shadows, a little Dark Shadows event in Mechanicsburg. It was an appearance with one of the Dark Shadows people when I was there with her for the day, and we all went out to dinner afterwards, and we were talking about Ann B. Davis at this dinner, and I made some joke about her dying, and then... Four hours later, one of the people at, the, at, at this dinner texted me and said, she's dead. <laughs> right? And I'm like, are you kidding me? I know. And then through Facebook and on the phone, one by one, the guests at the dinner party are texting me and going, are you fucking kidding me? Ann B. Davis is dead. Did you know this? When we were here eating dinner, I said no, and then they're like, you murdered her. You brought this into being. You killed the maid of the brain punch, and I was like. What, what, year, what, year, what year are we talking about? Just a couple, it was just a couple years ago, George. It was terrible. I felt like yeah, I, 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 I was 17 or 18. I, yeah, it was just it yeah. was just a few years ago, and, and actually we weren't even we weren't even back in Pittsburgh. We were driving back from Mechanicsburg on the way to Pittsburgh, and had stopped and whatever. And you know, as we're driving, David and I are driving. Uh, you know, these text messages are coming through. Ambie Davis is dead. You killed her. And I'm like, are you what? You're not. People are not funny. And I Google it on the internet, and there it is. She had fallen in a bathtub and hit her head and died. And I was like. Holy shit! <laughs> wow. You know what? No. Huh? I I just thought it's kind of weird, but I was just thinking this too. That's that's like two '80s icons that died, like falling in the bathtub. Well, who was Her the other? Gary one? Coleman. Oh, did he die that way? Yeah, he fell in the bathtub. He had well, like wouldn't a have been that fall of a, he wouldn't have fell that far. You'd be surprised if he, he died. A- Andy Davis died in 2014. Gary Coleman was killed by the bicycle man. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have far to fall. Drum roll. The bicycle anyway. man sat on him and found him. <laughs> Do you want to? Do you before we go? Do you want to explain the significance of the bicycle man here? So I don't think I should. Oh come on! If nobody knows the bicycle man story, I think everybody knows about the bicycle God. man. So is that is that the Lord episode of the of the? Uh, That's of the, the king of very special episodes of. Okay. Yeah. Let's put it that way. In the eighties, if we've seen very special episodes, people before a show. You knew that you might not want to watch it. There's <laughs> going to be something yeah. that has to be going on. The the Punky Brewster um the Punky Brewster one with uh with the refrigerator. Did it fall on her? No, the kid got <laughs> locked in it. <laughs> oh my god! She got locked in the refrigerator. They were playing hide and seek or something, and the kid got locked in there. In the oh my god! And she died. I thought wasn't she kidnapped or something too? It was a chilling experience. That that 
<laughs> Don't forget the different the strokes was known for the, the two parts. They had decapitated zombies. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> what decapitated like zombies? The two part Halloween happened, and it's like she was trying to find her friends, and then she found them, and they're like they're, they was all no, no, they they were all head. like. Their heads were like in a tree or something like that. Oh, okay. On Parky yeah. Brewster. It, it, I think it was that's really the funny. Dr. Sadism. Dr. Sadism. <laughs> Punky Brewster's Dungeon of Pain. <laughs> Talk about an 80s show. They just rebooted it. <laughs> Punky Brewster? Yep. Yeah. I think I knew that for some reason. She has a kid now. So it's following, it's the same actress all these years later? Yes, Elaine Mutant Fry. And then she she comes on every week and talks about menopause. Is that what happens? She talks about her breast reduction. <laughs> she comes on and talks about menopause. Oh, I got hot flashes. Stop making noise. It's terrible. All right. So, she meets the bicycle man. See, this is what you miss. If you don't go to there, and this is what I miss about not being able to go there. This. Why, because we're idiots? This crazy. <laughs> no, because, it, it, George, no disrespect, but me going to the drive-in had nothing really to do with the movies. It's doing this. Well, I know. That's this what is, I said last night on the show. It's it's about the camaraderie and everybody seeing everybody. The movies are fun, but, I mean, it's a... It's just like a convention feeling. Everybody oh, loves yeah. to see everybody and hang out and stuff, you know? I mean, uh, th- this is a solid, solid freaking lineup, but just being able to hang out and be with everybody, right. that's right. what it's all about. Well, you're a pleasant surprise tonight because he didn't tell us that you were going to be on here, but then again, he had uh, he has that actress from... Well, who did he have on the last show that surprised me? The Boggy No, Creek? it's uh, Pamela Pierce, uh, Charles Pierce's daughter. Who yeah, was, she uh, just suddenly popped up out of nowhere. She was, was talking like, about the, 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 the re-release of The Legend of Boggy Creek because her father directed it, and she's, you I didn't know, know about this. Yeah, and that was, a ple- that was a pleasant surprise. That was like the best show we ever had. Almost I as agree. good as when he brought on, um, when he brought on uh, Rip Taylor. Stop it. Like eight years ago. <laughs> And then we realized He messaged me last night. Good. Well, we're glad you're uh, here. What a pleasant oh, I'm surprise. Glad to see here, everybody. It's been a while. So, and and, we'll and thank you for everything. Go there and give George and Jean some of your money. Why do you tell people? We don't need people money. That. We do this for the love. Why would you say that? God. I'm doing it. I'm going to do a GoFundMe for you. <laughs> it's going to be called, oh, that was it's going to be called the Steven the Steven Sanity Fund. All right, you. love you guys. Love you too. Fun okay, fun. We will. Steve, oh, I will Josh, talk to you later. Josh, I'll be in touch with you all week. Okay, we'll figure all it out. All right, sounds good. We're good thank to you. go. Absolutely. Thank you. Is the show, yeah. show being canceled? Bye. No, Steve. So good night. Good. Yeah. And Are we going to take about this week's box office? About the what? 
this week's box office. There isn't one. I think we're living in an Omega yeah. Man type end of the world existence where this show we used to discuss things we can't even discuss anymore because the world's over. <laughs> it's the end of the world as you know it. I think so. Steve, you make our you make our uh, you always make our night. Thank you for everything as always. It's a pleasure. But Steve, if you get off the show, I'm going to take over and and, <laughs> and do it. Yeah, as you. <laughs> He's got your imitation down pretty good there, so yeah. <clears throat> anyway. All right guys. I'm I'm bailing from a dinner. I'm gonna eat something else. I'm hungry. Okay. So Steve, thank you for everything and uh Thank you, Steve. You're the best. Always. All right, we'll see you guys. All right, good night. Good night. Good night, sweetheart. Good night, sweetheart. Well, it's time to go. I hate to leave you, but I really must say, oh, good night, sweetheart. Good night. Good night, sweetheart. Well, it's time to go. Good night, sweetheart. Well, it's time to go. I hate to leave you. I really must say, oh, good night, sweetheart. Good night. Well, it's three o'clock in the morning, baby. Just can't get right Well, I hate to leave you, babe I don't mean maybe Because I love you so Good night, sweetheart Well, it's time to go Good night, sweetheart Well, it's time to go I hate to leave you, I really must say, oh, good night, sweetheart, good night. Mother, oh, and your father, like it if I stay here too long, one kiss and stop, and I'll be you know I hate to go. Good night, sweetheart. Well, it's time to go home. Good night, sweetheart. Well, it's time to go home. I hate to leave you. I really must say, oh, good night. Okay, princess, let's go get something to eat. You ready, princess? Come on, girl. Night, everybody.